there are a lot of bands out there that would say, if I just had one, one song by the Beatles that would make my entire career, and you have so many different things in your repertoire mm. that are just so like life-defining. Somebody would gravitate towards something you have done, whether it be the Lost Boys or Stand By Me 24 or, or Young Guns. What, what stands out for you? It, it, if, if you, it, I know it's hard to like pick a favorite child, but all, like for all me, like, for different reasons. Yeah. Young Guns One was the most fun I've <laughs> oh, ever had on a film. Yeah, which is why Young Guns Two is a better film. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Bad Parents, a podcast about three bad parents who are trying to raise good kids. She's Shauna. Hello. He's Ryan. What's up? And I'm Johnny. A Tell Like It Is podcast for parents to laugh, cry, and to make you feel better about your parenting. On today's Bad Parents podcast, a very special guest sits down with me, Johnny, and Ryan. Kiefer Sutherland is in the house talking about his legendary parents and what it was like for him as a dad as well. You don't want to miss this one. Kiefer Sutherland's in the room. Hello, Kiefer Sutherland. How are you? Good, man. How are you? Great, thank you. This is awesome uh, that you're here with us. Look at you drinking Kiefer's whiskey already. I'm very excited about this, but we'll get to the whiskey in a minute. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So listen, the coolest thing we've heard is that we're like, hey, Kiefer Sutherland's coming in to hang out for a little bit. And I'm like, awesome. How did all this happen? And uh, Rick Lee, who's part of uh, Q107, said Kiefer just like called one day and wanted Q107 stickers because he grew up listening to Q107. It was more complicated than that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the story Uh, we got. (laughs) Um, So we were shooting Designated Survivor just down the street and we had hit a bunch of traffic uh, uh, on the Gardener. And and so we got off and and found our way. And, And anyways, we passed your radio station. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. That's, that's what I grew up listening to. And, and, and I, I asked the driver, I said, you know, I need you to do me a huge favor. I need you to go back there and get me some stickers because I've got great radio. You know, I've, from touring and everything else, I've got great radio stickers of, of radio stations uh, in Europe and radio stations in the U.S. And I, I, I don't have any from Toronto and I wanted a Q107 sticker and do you mind going back and getting me some? And the driver's like, Oh my God, you're not going to make me do that. And I said, well, I kind of am actually. And so, so he came back and he got, he got them. He got two stickers um, and, and a phone number. Uh, clearly they didn't believe him that he was picking these stickers up for me. So I called the number and Rick answered. Yeah. And then it took me at least five minutes of, answering pop questions right. from him no before he believed that I was... What was your character's name on Stand By Me? Yeah, yeah. and I was like, oh my God, what an ace Merrill, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so it's so anyways, uh, we ended up becoming friends. I, I didn't get many more stickers, but but uh, but I've uh, two main guitars that I tour with in Europe have got the stickers on. So, yes, uh, that yeah. is the coolest. Yeah, so it's... it's um, you know, I grew up, I, so I grew up, uh, you know, when I, in 1976 is when I moved to Canada. And so by 1978, there was a great rivalry, obviously, uh, Chum and Q107. And, and Q107 was a newer station, but it was just kind of had a harder edge to it. Um, and that's what me and my friends listened to. And I, I just, I have these fond memories uh, I played guitar by that point, and I, I I would I would turn the radio low enough 
that my mom couldn't hear it, but loud enough that I could kind of close my eyes and pretend I was in whatever band was playing on the radio yeah, at I that time. It. And I was the guitar player. <laughs> and so, yeah, Q107 put me to sleep for like five years, right? In a kind of like, woke up in the morning and practiced even harder. Yeah. That's awesome. Listen, you, we often say like as Canadians, like, you know, if you're on a big American television show and you reference Canada or Toronto specifically, oh, we get man. so proud. Now you're narrowing it down to Q107. Like I'm, I'm mm. buzzing over here hearing you talk about it. Well, and, and we just finished a show, uh, Rabbit Hole, um, which is so clearly like they made no effort to hide <laughs> that it was Toronto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been wonderful to actually shoot here. Uh, I, I've had a place here for a little while and, uh, I was doing, did three seasons of designated survivor here and then did a season of rabbit hole. Uh, and then was really excited, uh, you know, cause I got my place and my sister lives here and, and uh, very excited to come back and and work again. And then, of course, the strike happened and killed everything right. that we were doing. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to have to start, you know, figure it out again. Do you move about the city, like, unrestricted, or do people bug you? Like, is it hard for you to people, sort of go out? They don't bug me. They say hello. Yeah. Um, you know, which is great. You know, I say hello back, you right. know. And if someone wants a selfie, you take a selfie. And I've always found over my life that it's so much easier to say yes than it is to explain why you're not going to do something, Right. right? And, but yeah, I take the subway all the time. Um, every once in a while, I'll have someone kind of cock their head, you know, like yeah. a dog <laughs> when the dog's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, and then I'll just kind of wave. Uh, but no, it's, it's, this is where I grew up. So I've always felt like I could do, go wherever I want and do whatever I want. And, and it's your stomping yeah, grounds. People have been great. And the best part, at least when you were talking about, you know, uh, playing guitar when you were a kid to Q107 or pretend you were in the band, you kind of made that a bit of a career now. Like you released Bloor Street in 2022 and a song called Bloor Street yeah. about the city and like to Rise Point, you know, when people say in big movies about Toronto, but like mm -hmm. unbelievably specific, this love letter to the city that you obviously love. Can well, I, was, I love listening to we, it. We were shooting Designated Survivor uh, and I was standing on the southeast corner of Bloor and Young waiting for the light to change and it was taking an exceedingly long time and and it was cold out. And, and I went, oh, my God, these four corners, everything that ever happened to me as a young person, everything that defined me for better and for worse uh, as a young person happened on these four corners. Uh, for instance, first job I ever had uh, was in the food court at the Hudson Bay Center. Uh, and, and the first kiss I ever had was on the north uh, east corner as well. Um, first time I ever busked with a guitar was on the northwest corner. Uh, first time I ever bought pot was on the southeast <laughs> corner. Let's go. And the first time I ever got my ass kicked was in front of the Harveys on the on the southeast corner. So right. again, for better and or worse, all of these things kind of helped shape who I was as a 15 year old to a 20 year old. Right. Uh, and, and had profound implications on, on me and, and, and who I became uh, again for, for better and for worse. And so I got very nostalgic and I literally, I think wrote the first verse uh, by the time I crossed the street mm -hmm. and then kind of made some adjustments to the melody when I actually got home and got a guitar. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a very, very kind of funny thing because I tend to write 
about what I see or a feeling that I've, I've a memory that I've had. Uh, and this was a perfect example. I mean, everything from verse to verse, uh, whether it be the weather, the wind coming off the lake, you know, all of those things were happening right at that moment. So it was kind of a mad rush to get home and find a pen and a piece of paper. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I love the way that song, you know, when I, when I recorded that song, the record certainly did not have a title, uh, or the album did not have a title. Um, I just love the way, uh, we ended up playing that song. I love the way that it came out. Uh, and then I thought, yeah, well, these are all kind of every album that I've made and getting ready to start the fourth, but every album that I've made has been an expression and, and an extension of where I'm kind of at at that moment. Um, which is kind of why it got released during the pandemic because well, A, I thought the pandemic was going to be a lot shorter than it <laughs> two was. Weeks, two weeks, two weeks. <laughs> I, I was in for six. And then I, then, and I had the record finished by August and still was not going to release it till January thinking, well, no matter what, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it'll be done by then. And had two big tours planned, one here in Canada and one in Europe. And both got canceled uh, because of the Omicron variant, mm -hmm. which very kind of conveniently showed its head in mid-December. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, so that, that, that was an unfortunate part. Um, but, yeah, all, all the songs have always kind of been representative of, of kind of a very current me uh, at that time. And, and so it's just bad luck. You're such a like a renaissance man. You obviously are an actor musician that you just talked about now you're talking now you've got into whiskey red mm -hmm. bank whiskey um it must be so fun to have different outlets forever how you're feeling what you want to get involved in well the interesting thing about the whiskey um you know because god knows i've enjoyed it over my lifetime um i was really excited uh two two d dear friends one one gary briggs who's a very big music guy of warner brothers in in los angeles and We've been friends for 35 years, and he's very good friends with a guy named Rob Steele, who's a very successful business person uh, in Nova Scotia and uh, in cars and radio stations and, and basically whatever he ends up doing. Um, and they, on their fishing trips, had, had always said, you know, wouldn't it be great to make a whiskey? And, da, 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 da. and then they'd get drunk and forget about <laughs> yeah, it yeah, right. next year. And this went on for like 15 years. And, and then finally, uh, Rob just said, that's it. I'm I'm done. I want to do this. And, uh, and they talked about it and they had called me up and said, would I be interested? And I said, well, I'd be really interested in if, if we made kind of a world-class a level, uh, Canadian whiskey that we could go around the world and kind of brag about Canada, then I would be really excited about that. Right. Like if we can, if, if, if I can go around and just say, you want to see the difference of topography in this country, take a look at the maritime oh, provinces yeah. and take a look at the flatness of Saskatchewan and take a look at the lakes of Ontario and take a look at the mountains of Alberta mm -hmm. and the redwood forests of British Columbia. That diversity is only matched by its people. And that's the thing that I'm so proud of. I've traveled all around the world and I've never felt the diversity in anywhere else. And I've been to China and I've been to Russia and I've been all through Europe. I've been all through South America, Central America. I've just, I've never come across a country that was as diversified and open 
as Canada. It, it's very open because my wife's actually from Inverness, Cape Breton. Mm. And so I drive from Toronto to Cape Breton every single summer yeah. all 22 hours in a van with three children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, I do know, and I know it's, it's, it's from out there. It's made out there. And, yeah. and I, I, I know the history of whiskey when it comes to uh, mm-hmm. Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. So it's coming from the right place. So that's, so that's how we got started. And, uh, and it was five, five, six so years to develop what we call the liquid. Um, it's, it's one of the smoothest blends. I could bore you to tears with the specifics of it, but like any Canadian whiskey, it has a wheat profile and it has a rye profile. Unlike most Canadian whiskeys, we are at the highest point of the wheat profile and a very low, uh, rye profile, which makes it kind of lean towards Scotland more than the Southern American whiskeys. Right. Um, which I just think suits our heritage better. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so we, we're very proud of it. We're, we're going to do a bunch of events with the LCB over the next few days. And, and uh, yeah, and just, and I hope people enjoy it as much as I have. Well, I can tell you, Kiefer, how Canadian is this story? So, uh, you know, the three of us here, Sean and I both have sons that play hockey and mm-hmm. Sean and I were texting. I was in uh, Kitchener and you were in Dundalk and we were just texting, how's your tournament going? And Sean is like, I'm currently drinking whiskey in a parking lot with all the other parents right now. Out of the there back of a pickup truck. <laughs> there you go. How Canadian is that? I can see a lot of Canadian <laughs> hockey parents drinking Red Bank well, whiskey in the parking lot. Yeah. The temperature has a lot yeah. to do with it, man. Right. And it's, uh, it's, yeah, the temperature has a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah. He had a he had a back of a pickup truck, and he had like this heated stove with cider warming oh, up, that's and we mixed it in. Yeah, now it that's, Canadian. that's Canadian. Yeah. That's Canadian. That's yeah. Canadian. It's awesome. Yeah, you tell your American friends like that's what we do: <laughs> hockey yeah. tournaments, yeah. drinking in a parking yeah. lot, and having a good time. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to trying. I can't. Yeah, and depending on the day, you can skate in the parking yeah. lot yeah. too. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I got to tell you, tailgate we, that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, you talking about how, um, you know, it's always been your way when fans come up to you and talk to you just to say yes and take a picture and all that kind of stuff. I think it's because, like, you must know the impact that you've made on people. You've been who you've been for such a long time. And I can just tell you, just looking at you right now brings me back to such a great place. I remember when we were still renting movies and television show. My wife and I had our first child in 2008. Long story short, we were looking around for something to watch. And I'm like, I hear this 24 is awesome. I just never got around to it when it came mm-hmm. out. So my wife and I, around 2008 to 2011, we were just, we had so much to watch, so many seasons ahead of us. There's no better feeling as a mm-hmm. fan oh, of a yeah. television. You're Absolutely. like, I got six seasons. And you tell someone, you're like, you haven't started that yet. I'm so jealous of you. So we had, you know, it's a tough time, young kids running around. And so our outlet, our little thing in life was to sit down when the kids finally got settled and watch 24. Oh, that's so great. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And it was just, it's such a, so when you were coming in, that's the first thing I thought. Oh, well, that's, that's really yeah. sweet. I, I remember, uh, so Fox was, was the first studio to put out a DVD set of a television show that was actively running. Mm. Um, and they did it after the first season. And it ended up becoming a huge, huge thing for us. But I wasn't aware of what a big thing it had become for us until I, I was walking down the street in Los Angeles and, and a couple was walking the other way and they, I heard her say, it's him. And, and then the husband said, oh my God, it is. And then they stopped me and he looked me square in the eye and said, you ruined our honeymoon. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't even know her. Yeah, yeah. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've never met her before in my life. Yeah. And he starts laughing and he says, no, 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 no. <laughs> so we flew from Los Angeles to Paris for our honeymoon. And we had the first season of 24. And we figured it's a 12-hour flight. We'll watch 12 episodes on the way there. 
And then we'll watch 12 episodes on the way back. Right. And he said, we watched the 12 episodes on the way there. We went straight to our hotel room, watched the next 12 <laughs> episodes in our hotel room. Yes. And had to get on a plane and come home. I love it. So, oh, it was that kind of show where you're like, the twists amazing. and turns. Yeah, so, oh, fantastic. So I was, I was, I always kind of love that story because very often, I mean, you said earlier, you know, you're not aware of the, you know, I'm, make the show for me. Mm. I make the show because I'm excited of the potential that I have as an actor in the context of telling a story with other actors and a director and a crew. And it's a team sport and there's a kind of a juice and excitement that you can get when that's going well. Uh, there's nothing I love more. And that's why I make the show. So it's helps protect you, right? So if something doesn't work, you can say, well, I made it for me. Mm. You know, and, and uh, having said that, it's so much nicer to do something that people enjoy. Mm. Um, and having experienced both, um, I, w I was thrilled that people enjoyed it. it. It's never part of a decision-making process. And so when someone does say something nice to you about it, it, it it's like a new thing, right. right? It's not something that I'm walking around all the time thinking, you know, everybody loves what I do. It's, it's a, when someone says something nice to you, it's, it's, it's immediate at that moment and, and, and you're grateful for it. And because certainly, you know, I've, I've made over a hundred films, 24 alone had 230 some odd episodes. Uh, so, you know, there are going to be people that don't like what you do. And every, I don't know anybody who's, who doesn't want someone to like what they do, right. but it just can't happen all the time. And so when someone does say something kind of positive or encouraging or nice, it, it, it matters, right? It matters just as much as maybe it matters to them that you sign something or take a picture. Right. At the end of the day, uh, it's so much nicer than being yelled at that, that, <laughs> yeah. that you'll just take it, yeah. right? Yeah. So thank you very much. Yeah. There are a lot of bands out there that would say, if I just had one, one song by the Beatles that would make my entire career, <clears throat> you have so many different things in your repertoire mm. that are just so like life defining, somebody would gravitate towards something you have done, whether it be the Lost Boys or Stand By Me 24 or Young Guns. What what stands out for you? It, it, if, if you it, I know it's hard to like pick a favorite child, but all, like for, all me, like, for different reasons. Yeah. Young Guns one was the most fun I've <laughs> oh, ever had on a film. Yeah. Which is why Young Guns 2 is a better film. <laughs> and I'll say this, the best death in cinematic history um, in it, Young Guns 2, by the way. It, 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 was, it was the most fun. I mean, we were, we were all, you know, 20, <laughs> yeah. 22 years old. Someone gave us horses and guns <laughs> and oh, then man. paid you. Sure. It's like, are you insane? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lost Boys was kind of the great movie that you just didn't expect to do what it did over time. Uh Stand By oh. Me. I, I saw Stand By Me. I don't watch a lot of the stuff that I've done over the years because when I first watched Stand By Me, I thought my career was over and I had to get another job before this film comes out. <gasps> it ends up being the biggest hit of the summer and then makes me realize I don't know anything about what I'm talking about. <laughs> wow. Um, so all for different reasons. And 24 specifically, uh, I had been through a bit of a rough patch where I had made a few things that just didn't work out. Uh, and... And not only was it a success and it was nice to do something that people were enjoying, um, but it was the closest thing I'd had to a regular job in my life. And so for 10 months a year, I shot 24 for nine years. Uh, I have a great picture of my daughter who was 12 years old when we started. And I have a great picture of her graduating at NYU when we finished. Mm. So that's a big block mm. of time. And, um, and it gave me a security uh, that I just had not known as a person. 
uh, before that. And I was incredibly grateful for that and a lot of things. And I, and I love the people that I got to work with on that show. You kind of think you know somebody, Hollywood, and and when you were telling the story about Bloor Street, about all four corners had something. My first job was here. I'm like, this is Kiefer Sutherland. He's, got, he's working at the, the Hudson Bay in the four corners. Like, can you talk about growing up with the parents in which you had, and you just talked about your daughter and a picture of her here and, and somewhere else when the show was over. What was it like being Kiefer Sutherland, the Hollywood star, and just, hey, I'm Kiefer the dad? Mm-hmm. Well, my parents were were extraordinary. So, and we knew that as kids, like I, I always made the joke that my mom's the only person I was ever really scared of. Um, she's five, two. She's the, she's the toughest person I've ever met. Uh, and, and, and her toughness comes from her conviction uh, and, and, and her conviction in everything from politics to humanity, to, to art, to theater. So that shaped a huge part of me. Uh, my father has one of the great sense of humors that I've ever encountered in my life. Uh, and is also one of the great success stories, uh, certainly in, in our family and certainly in Canada, uh, and certainly in the world. Um, so you kind of watch that. The thing that was so kind of singular about my experience is that both my parents did what they wanted to do all the time. There was not a lot of decision making. Well, I can't do that because of the kids. They did what they wanted to do. And so it gave me a unique kind of freedom that I kind of tapped into by the time I was 12, which was, well, I'm not going to make you feel bad about doing what you want to do, but you're not going to make me feel bad about what I want to do either. And so I was gone. I was gone at 15. I was on my way to New York and I was like, I can't wait for life to start, you know, and, and neither one of them could really say a whole lot. You're right. Except we think you're making a huge mistake. (laughs) Um, so having said all of that, when I had my kids, I tried to be more a part of their lives and, and be a little better at maybe communicating what is important to you. If I have to, if I'm going to get to see one out of the three things that you're doing next week, which one's important. Um, but I have to say, in all fairness, I kind of wasn't much better about it. I was just more open about talking about it. And, uh, and yeah, my kids basically <laughs> went on and did what they, <laughs> they wanted to do, do too. Um, I was just really lucky that uh, certainly the youngest one was just an off the chart student, like was really good. Uh, yeah. I remember like, this is a weird parent thing that you don't have. I was, she was, she was 14 years old and, and we would have our kind of divorce father Sunday dinner. And I said, so what was your week like? What? And, and she said, well, I did this amazing thing. And she, she had studied Latin and she spoke old Greek, Latin and Latin. Um, and she had, she had gotten so proficient at it that she actually ended up having to translate text for a university professor at UCLA. She's 14. Oh my God. I looked at her and said, Oh, sweetheart, you're going to have to find better things to do for fun. (laughs) (laughs) And she burst into tears and went, I know. (laughs) So it was, you know, yeah, it was, yeah. I'm, 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 how old are your kids? Uh, they just turned five and three. Oh, you're fine. You yeah, got yeah, some yeah. time. We're 15. We've yeah, got 15 year old yeah, boys. Yeah. Yeah. Even so I, me I, thinking about one of them going to New York. Oh no, I think God. they're going to Blur Street to get that weed you were yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And now there's a store for yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's yeah. government <laughs> official. It's way too easy that's now. That's cheating. Yeah, that's right. That's so you right. got a, a tour, your tour 2024, you're, you're hitting the road. Yeah. We, so we did, we did, we did manage to get a tour in, uh, for 2023, but it was all kind of 
of European festivals where we kind of been able to build up a following and and kind of the three years that we had really kind of planned to, to play North America just kind of got hit twice really bad by COVID and stuff like that. So definitely going to be touring here in Canada and and the States uh, at that time going to start a record with a wonderful producer by the name of Ethan Johns uh, in January. Uh, so that'll be January, February, and then kind of April, May start the touring. Um, Ethan Johns one of my favorite records, Ray LaMontagne's Trouble. Oh my God. Just some amazing, he's just Love got that. a sonic ear that's just off the chart. Beautiful to, for me. And um, so very excited about that. I have to ask you, what's the Beatles song? If you could have written one Beatles song, wow. what would it be? That's amazing. You know what? Um, it's weird with the Now and Then that just came out. Mm. It kind of hit at least Shauna in a real different way than when we were growing up. Kind of like looking back on her kids. And it was a real sort of, uh, connection between Sean and her oldest boy, speaking mm. about parenting, about bringing the old with the new together. And she had a moment where she wept on air mm. about the connection that she made with, with her son. For me, like I'm old school, like, you know, uh, please, please me. Those, those sort of things. Yeah. Th- th- those would be mine. I just like straight ahead, rock and roll, like four to the floor. Let's go. C- and catchy, that's, catchy. That's it. Pop yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if rise, maybe a little bit more sort of psychedelia beetle guy. Well, my parents are they're, they're no longer with us, but they're both from England and they were older. Mm-hmm. And so my dad, it was funny. You remember the red and the blue albums, the Beatles and they came out. Yeah. So the first album was all the love, love me do. And I want to hold your hand. My dad loved that. And I love like a day in the life and octopus's <laughs> garden. He's yeah. like, you like the drugs and stuff. <laughs> I like the straight ahead Beatles. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I you can't go wrong with them for sure. And you? Yeah, well, the here and now, like um, it was just, it was amazing to have because my parents love the Beatles and I just wanted to rebel and not like the Beatles because uh-huh. it was just something, you know. Yeah, you know my what? daughter did that too. Yeah. <laughs> How do you not like the Beatles and James Taylor? She managed to... Wow. End up not liking yeah. both of them. Exactly. She got That's exactly it. So then when I sat with my 15 year old, I said, do you want to hear the new Beatles song? Thinking he would say no. He said, yeah, I do. And we just sat there and it was like I was connected to my son and to my parents. And then my parents through my son. It was just amazing. That's and awesome. yeah, it was a real moment. And then being able to play that on Q107, like to be able to have a new Beatles song. It's just, it's, yeah, it's awesome. Mine was, mine would have been, oh, darling. Oh, just, yeah. yeah I mean, First of all, you write a song like that to your girl. That's got to be a get out of jail free card. Oh, it has, right? to, it be, has to be. Whatever you want. And that, that <laughs> I just thought, I remember just as a young kid thinking, that's smart. For sure. Well, I can tell that's you, awesome. it's come full circle because I'm thinking to myself, 10 years ago, you were my piece at the end of a long day with young children watching 24. Now my kids are older. I got a nine-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 15-year-old. Now your piece to me is going to be a, a glass of red bank. There you go. <laughs> at the end of a long, Good. long day. Thank you it's so much for joining. That's right. That's right. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Absolute Thanks, man. pleasure. Yeah, Thank you guys so much for awesome. having me. Awesome.